0: And we are back. This is the Fat Packs Podcast on the Beckett Podcasting Network. And I am your host, Eric. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for joining the show this week. want to give a big shout out to Badger Breaks for jumping on board for the sponsorship of, of the Fat Packs. Really appreciate that. We still have a couple of... Uh, places left for, for other sponsorships and if you would like to know more about those you can go ahead and email me at ericn at beckett.com and I can get you uh, in contact with the right people we got spots for the national for the industry summit uh, Toronto Expo we, we get we can hook you up with pretty much any, pack, any kind of package you want at a couple different levels uh, where we can get your brand name out there uh, as you help us get our brand name out there and keep the show free for our listeners so I uh, really appreciate Kyle jumping on board uh, we will hear more from him in coming weeks as as he as he hops back on the show, and we, we break down what he's breaking and uh, bringing to the card uh, community. So, thanks once again to Kyle over at Badger, Badger Breaks, we really appreciate it. Now, uh, gonna move on. Well, actually, before we move on, let's let's talk about last week's show. We had a uh, hobby burnout, it was a great reception to that show, there was a lot of downloads. I really appreciate that. Ken, talk Ken Kinsley, my, my friend, my buddy, and we're talking about hobby burnout, why it happens, uh, some of the causes for it, and what to do when it happens. Um, and we had a giveaway called uh, called Edwards autographed sheet metal card giveaway. So I uh, want to give that card away right now. And the winner of that card is going to be bearded beer guy. Our friend uh, at, pa, uh, at Paps beer underscore eight. Uh, he says, I think when I got burnt out was in 19, 1999 or 2000, wasn't pulling anything exciting. And my dad was not collecting like we used to. So in 2009, he started back up again and with, with his son. And he felt it was awesome because I was doing, I was doing what my dad did with me. Uh, hashtag fat packs burnout. Thanks uh, for for jumping on and uh, being a part of the show. You have won yourself a Carl Edwards sheet metal autograph card from Panini Prime. You have one week to claim this. You need to go ahead and email me. Uh, or just send me a direct message on Twitter actually Because uh, I know that we follow each other So send me a direct mes- message please And we will get this uh, squared away and sent out to you So congratulations for winning that awesome card and then, Which brings me to a giveaway we will do this week Which I will post, you'll see in the post uh, When this new episode goes up And you can uh, enjoy that And uh, spread the word about this awesome giveaway I gotta decide which card I want to give this, So I'm not giving it away just yet, but I have a few I can select from up at my desk. So uh, thanks again to Ken for coming on last week. Great episode, great conversation about hobby burnout, and thanks to the Bearded Beer guy uh, at Paps underscore beer underscore eight for jumping on and uh, being a part of the conversation as well. Thank you all, actually, for being a part of the conversation who uh, replied to the thread and got that hashtag Fat packs Burnout out there, uh, not trending, but... You know, we can hope, we can pray that that'll happen someday. All right, let's jump over to uh, new products and new pricing. Not actually, there's only one new product out on the on the release calendar for this week, and it's a it's Garbage Pail Kids, uh, We Hate the '90s, which is a pretty funny set actually for what it is. Uh, a lot of you know your typical '90s kind of stuff and your your typical uh, Garbage Pail stuff, but that's the only thing out there. Uh, this week, new wise, uh, new pro, um, new pricing wise, we do have a few that I want to get to. These are uh, Bowman's Best baseball. That's priced for you. It's a uh, man. I like Bowman's Best. I liked to when I when I was collecting Bowman's Best. It was fun. I, and It is still a fun set. 2018 Defenders is now priced as well. Um, this is probably my favorite card that I pulled uh, late last year. 2018 Topps UFC Museum Collection is now priced, and I pulled that Derek Lewis. Autograph from that, and I almost lost my mind on the on the box break because it was just hilarious to me. 2018 tops legends of WWE is now priced. Shout out to my man Joey Dub Mentality, who had just one hell of a break out of that. Pulled. I was more impressed with the Mick Foley autograph, but he pulled a Jake the Snake out of five, and then the Warlord was just an added bonus, and he also pulled a Bret Bret the Hitman Hart out of that as well. Uh, man, what an awesome product! I I for for those guys. That are my age and Joey's age that are trying to reconnect with their childhood in some way. It's uh, a bit of nostalgia to be able to pull guys like that. And then finally, if you spent $25,000 on a box of Tops Transcendent, that is now priced for you in your online price guide. Well, that is a lot of Skrilla, they say. They call it Skrilla, right? I think it's still called Skrilla because I'm a child of the 90s. That happened Congratulations to those who uh, who pulled who bought Tops Transcendent and, and and hit big in that Tops Transcendent WWE is coming out and I have thoughts on that but I'm not going to share them today. We're going to set that up for a later show. That's um, well, it's actually already out, isn't it? I believe I believe it is. If it's not, it's coming soon. That is a product that is just wow, and I don't know that the price point is. Is worth it, but we'll get into that another conversation, another time. And I don't believe it's out yet. All right, so um, let's move on and set up this show. Two great conversations. Uh, I I really had fun with both of them. Uh, One is my guy Brian from Sock Signatures. He is a he's a guy up in New New Hampshire that. Is a he he works full time, but he also has a part time gig as an autograph dealer. And he this is a very specific niche market, almost it's it's Red Sox guys, but Red Sox Nation, if you will. And you, I think you guys who listen to this show know how I feel about the Nation. Uh, Red Sox Nation is big enough where I think this is going to work. And he's he's been at it for a few years now, but he's he's looking to grow it. So I wanted to bring him on, and he also has a discount code for you in the conversation uh, towards the end of the conversation so make make sure you're paying attention for that all you socks fans out there can go and get your socks autographs at a discount thanks to the fat packs and red uh sock signatures uh so make sure you're checking that out and then my guy joseph man <laughs> this is one of the coolest things i've ever talked about on the show and i say that because it's something that i don't know a lot about so when I saw the magnitude of his starting lineup collection and his his toy collection, he's our super collector of the month, by the way. This is an absolute super collection. and we're talking starting lineups. we're talking uh, the those rubber wrestling figures. We talked GI Joe. It's really cool the way, th- just the detail that he was able to bring to this conversation. And just one describe the holy grail of of starting lineups. I had no idea, and it's a it's a player that I that I knew, but I think it's because I was you know I, I I loved football growing up, so I I kind of knew a lot about football, the players that I shouldn't have known that no one else knows regionally. But then he hit me with another player from the Vikings that I was like I have no clue who that is. So um, this is a conversation that will really kind of pique your interest into starting lineups hopefully and learn more about them. I'm uh, happy to, uh, I'm happy to thank Joseph for coming on, man. It was, it was a great conversation. And uh, again, I apologize to him in the conversation, but I missed his time, like by by 10 or 20 minutes we had to like scramble and, and make it work, but he did, he was able to do that. So thank you uh, Joe once again for uh, being able to be flexible with me. All right, those are the two conversations, and we'll come back on the other side with a little Beckett Whatevs, and I got a couple of stories I want to present to you if you allow me. But until then, hang tight. We'll be right back after this break with my man, Joseph, the toy collector.
1: This is Rob Varis from Burbank
0: Sports Cards, and you're listening to Beckett Radio. All right, guys, joining us next here on the Fat Packs, uh, our second show of 2019. That means it's only our second interview, and I got a nice one for you. I promised you a super collector a month, and we're going to start outside of the card world. We're going to go with the toy world. This is Joe, the toy super collector. Joe, how are you doing, sir?
2: Good.
0: How about you, man? I'm I'm doing I'm doing pumped. Uh, I want to apologize to you here on air. I missed my time, but we made it work. So thanks for being flexible with me. And uh, I'm I'm looking forward to a great interview as we talk about starting lineups and some other some other toys and figures that I, I really want to know. But let's start with starting lineups, Joe. How long have you been collecting starting lineups?
2: Um, back in 1990, I, I walked into a, a Hills Department Store, which are big here on the East Coast, and I am... Um, I saw a Don Manningly figure, and a huge Yankees fan, and I was a baseball card fan. And I saw this figure, and it came with two cards, and, and I was hooked. And since 1990, I've never stopped.
0: Oh, wow. So you, you pretty much got it on the ground floor, and you just did you specialize in Yankees at first, or did you just kind of get whatever you could get?
2: Uh, yeah, I, just, I kind of specialized in Yankees. You know, just favorite players, favorite teams. I remember buying a Barry Sanders, love Barry Sanders. And then shortly after, I realized that there's there's some sort of market for this, and I was only 15 years old. And then I was starting to buy and sell to buy more for myself. So it was just kind of it was a hobby that turned into a small business. I mean, again, I was 15 years old. It wasn't anything big time, but. You know that—that's how it all started for me.
0: So, what was the what was the lore? I mean, other than it being the Yankees, and you said the cards. It was it because this is something new that you haven't noticed before, or what? What? What pulled you into to picking, started picking these up?
2: Yeah, I, I think it was just you know I saw the cards. I was I was a big card collector. I was you know at that age, cards the junk wax era was huge, and cards were really booming at the time. And, again, I was 15 years old, so I was a little too old for toys, but kind of, you know, in that age. And then when I saw these, I've seen them before and just, I guess, kind of ignored them because they came out in 88 and didn't really pay much attention. But, you know, in 1990, I guess they're really starting to be around, and you're always noticing them in the stores. And I I just, my brother was born at the time, so we're in the toy aisles. I've seen them more and more. And, um, you know, so they they caught my eye because it's a sports figure it was don Manley was my idol and you know it came with the cards the, the, the backs of the cards were colorful there was blue green and red for each sport and they just they caught my eye and I never
0: stopped so for me living down here in the dallas fort worth area growing up here um, i i remember starting lineups as kind of my introduction to other sports here i'm sure that it's no surprise and you can probably guess from anybody that you've ever talked to from Texas, football is king and then baseball might be a distant second. But this was my kind of introduction when I first started not- noticing starting lineups where, you know, some of the basketball guys and, and, and hockey yeah. and everything like that. So for me, it, that was the pull for me. Um, outside of Don Madeline and him being your hero, were there other guys that you you kind of picked up initially that you picked up because you wanted to know more about them perhaps
2: um well again you know i went after my favorite teams and here's something about starting lineups that the casual collector didn't know back then including myself until time has gone by and may still not know today uh starting lineup from 88 to 90 were released regionally with with uh they also did like all-star cases or um you know popular player cases so basically in my area which is close to new york you can find any new york team that you want mets jets yankees giants whoever was in new york new york area even maryland in, in your area but if i wanted to find an 88 Rockets you know, say a Rodney McRae or a Joe Barry Carroll, Mm -hmm. I could look and look and look and look and look. I'm never going to find one. And we didn't know that back then there was no internet.
0: Right. No. So
2: we had, had, you see on the back of the package, they have this checklist with all these players, but you can never find them. So we were limited here. Sure. You know, so if if I was, for some crazy reason, you know, uh, uh, a Rams fan, uh, I'm in trouble. (laughs) Because <laughs> unless you know, like a Jim Everett, like '89 Jim Everett was released in the All Star case, so I could get my Rams player that way, but I couldn't find any other Rams, so y- you had to pretty much get what was available to you.
0: I, that, that makes total sense, especially describing the era. There is no internet, which now there is. I, right. Does it? i mean, of course the answer is yes, but it it makes it almost. A, I mean, it's a lot easier now to pick up what you're looking for. So, with that being said, are there still figures that maybe you're still chasing from the '90s, or uh, you know, maybe those earlier '80s sets, uh, you know, '88, '89? Are there still figures Absolutely. that you're chasing?
2: Yes, I am. I am trying to complete a Minton card the football set, and I am 12 figures away. Um, I just recently completed the '89 football set. So it's <laughs> it's not an easy task, and you know even some figures you think will be kind of easy to find, like I need an eighty eight Warren moon it's not that easy to find you know, I also need an eighty eight Steve Jordan, and I maybe some listeners are gonna be saying "Who's Steve
0: Jordan?" Yeah, well, Steve Jordan was a
2: retiring for the Vikings, and it's one of the hardest figures to find
0: wow so yeah <laughs> so even even in today, with the internet making it a bit easier, you're still having trouble tracking these down. I, w- yeah. the, it sounds like from what you're telling me, and correct me if I'm wrong. The checklist back then, were was it kind of a hodgepodge of, of players that they could get to uh, get rights to, or because the the title that you just mentioned, I've never heard of him. How do they come up with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, back then the sets
2: were big. I believe the '88 football set was 137, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so they're big sets. So each team had, you know, four or five, six guys, depending on who they were. So I, I guess they just, you know, each team case can, can, was 24 count case. so There's 24 count or 24 uh, figures in there. So, you know, and they were each packed differently. So that's Steve Jordan. And I, to this day, the 88, 89 football case assortments are not all known. Really? But he may have only been two per case. So <laughs> that's, that's a tough find. In Minnesota, I'm sure fans love that figure. You know, and it is a very attractive figure. But you know, people in Pennsylvania, we didn't care about Steve Jordan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly, not at all, <laughs> man. Something else that happened uh, recently, just before Christmas, was that crazy Mark Jackson hype with that uh, yes. with, with the Melendez brothers in it. And as I'm scrolling through your timeline here, I see you have a picture posted of a of a Mark Jackson starting lineup. But this one you say is not so popular but it's much more rare. Can you tell us about this figure?
2: Um, the Mark Jackson figure, it was probably released only the 88 basketball was only 12 per case. And ironically, they mixed the Nets and the Knicks together because they're so close. And the basketball sets were small, were smaller. They were, I believe that was an 82 count set in 88. Wow. Uh, so Mark Jackson was only a couple, a couple per box. Um, but you know, it seems to to me anyway, and no one knows the production numbers of starting the lineup. And if they might tell you they know it; they're wrong. Canada doesn't release that kind of information, but you know, it, it was abundant. The New York team seemed very abundant here, and I don't know if they just made more because New York's a bigger market. But um, you know, to, to even to this day, that Mark Jackson figure might be a fifteen dollars figure. It's kinda want to say common, but it's not popular either. No matter. Who's on the basketball? Uh, basketball cards from hoops. <laughs> sure, <laughs> If they make this starting
0: lineup worth anymore. Wow! So it's that you see you're blowing my mind here. I was we were talking off air, but like I've never understood, really understood the complexity of toys and the rarity, and like it's just not something that I put a lot of time into studying. But with what you're telling me here, is it's probably something that I should be paying attention to, especially uh, for being. In the hobby as long as i have i should probably have some knowledge about this so if i come off as sounding uh ignorant i'm sorry i don't mean to be doing that you're no. really you're really blowing my mind here this is interesting to me because um i just this is a whole another angle of, of collecting that i have never really uh, thought about does that make sense
2: absolutely no i mean absolutely i mean you know i've had people come over to my my house and you see them shooting these pictures of my basement on my Twitter page. Sure. And just, just family. And they don't know a thing about toys, but when they, they see my display area they're they're blown away because it's just, it's amazing because I don't care who you are or how old you are. We all had toys.
0: Yes. We all all did. Yes.
2: (laughs) So, uh, and, and, um, you know, people see this and, and they're amazed by it. And, I, I appreciate when some someone tells me like you just said you're not familiar you don't know much about the hobby because that allows me to teach people about I love teaching people about the hobby it's it's fun to talk about
0: this is this is absolutely incredible man I'm, I'm seriously I'm having a great time here I want to talk about uh, some of these so. Most of what I know of starting lineup are the single pack, but I see I see right here you have one on your page of uh, Singletary sacking Randall Cunningham. This is a two pack. Are there, is there a difference in rarity in, in here with the with the two packs versus the, the single um, player?
2: They're they're definitely a, a smaller. They, they had a smaller production run. They made those in, in 1989, and um, you know, and of course, ego again. Well, maybe there might one of those figures might have been packed three per case. One might have been packed two per case. And I believe the Elway Long is seems to be the, the the prettiest looking figure, and it seems to be the shortest pack, the most popular. But as for production wise, it, it's probably down. But popularity is also down, on stuff like that. Still popular and really cool looking, but there's just something about that single packed figure that just it's iconic.
0: It's I, yeah, it it typically is. Now I want to ask you that I, I this is kind of a softball question because I work. You know, I work with sports cards. That's what I do. But uh, the cards that are affiliated with these starting lineups are there. Some out there that are, are worth more. That are rare because of you know. Obviously, there are going to be some rare because they weren't uh, as mass produced as that junk wax stuff. But um, what are some of the cards that are highlights that, that people should be aware of?
2: Um, definitely, like you said, there are definitely some rare cards, and it, it falls back again, like we just talked about with the Steve Jordan figure. Mm-hmm. Um. I've seen sheets of starting lineup cards, just like Topps has the card sheets and upper deck, whoever. They all have those, those card sheets before they're cut. And the Steve Jordan card, I believe, is only one or two per sheet. But then you'll see someone like Randall Cunningham, who might have eight cards on the sheet. So it gives you an idea of production right there. Sure. Um, someone like Mark Lee, he was a safety for the Packers back in the day, or a cornerback. It, one card on on the sheet, Dave Weamer. Now these are all I'm throwing these names out, and you're probably like, "Who's he talking about?" <laughs> but these are all guys that have hard to find figures, so therefore it makes sense. It may, you, you're going to see they did a, an all-Star assortment in '88 and '89, and 90. But you know, in '88, like an all-Star case would have like Dan Marino, John Elway, Joe Montana, um, Jim McMahon. So you'll see a lot of those cards per sheet. And then the guys that were regionally distributed, you're probably going to see less cards on a sheet. So, yes, there are some rare cards. And a fun little fact, back in 97, Upper Deck, or Upper Deck, Kenner or Hasbro then at the time, lost the rights to produce the NBA figures.
1: Mm.
2: So in 98, they put out a quick set of basketball with Upper Deck cards But there are some cards that were made in the 90s. There are some figures made in the 97 set. This may get a little confusing, so if you need to ask questions, ask. There are some figures made in the 97 set that they inserted a 98 upper deck card in. But those figures were not released in the 98 Kenner basketball set. So the cards are really, really rare. There's a Kenny Anderson, a David
0: Robinson, Alonzo Mourning.
2: Those cards, those figures and cards are like non-existent.
0: Wow, that's crazy. I'm I'm trying to. I'm I'm following that, and so, I mean, finding one of those on the market now, it's like finding a unicorn, right?
2: I mean, it it really is. There, there is one. I I know of one David Robinson in the package with the Upper Deck card from 1997 by 98 Upper Deck card, and I own it. I do know of someone that has the actual card. I don't know. they, They must have opened it years ago, or who knows. You know uh, the Kenny Anderson is really, really tough. And supposedly, well, this is how it was in the end of '97. Sears and J.C. Penny had catalog sets, so you, you know you ordered mm-hmm. the, right. the wish book, whatever they came out in, and those figures were randomly inserted into those sets. They were never on the shelves in the stores.
0: Wow. So, oh,
2: <laughs> so it, it just I know, gets I know deeper. It's kind of confusing, but. <laughs>
0: That's insane. So um, one thing as I'm scrolling through your your Twitter page here that I see is the the differencing and the, like the difference in package, uh, like like for instance, the Mark Jackson's kind of beat up. Uh, yeah. I know that the, that affects value, but yeah. with with these toys and with these with these Kenner toys specifically, are there some out there that the package like because the figure so rare that maybe the quality of the package it, it can go. It can you know, go unnoticed if need be because I mean, somebody's really searching for that. Or is the package always going to play a role in, in value and in, in collectability?
2: Yeah, I, I think the package is always going to play a, a, a definite factor. Okay. Um, you know, you have your rare figures, of course. Um, the holy grail of starting the lineup is probably the 1989 Bill Fraley figure, who has just passed away, actually. And um, that is the holy grail. In in the package, you know, if you get a graded, let's say an eighty, you're talking at least a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars for that figure. Graded an eighty, um, not graded, nice and clean, you're talking eight hundred to thousand dollars. Wow! And so on and so forth. Now, if you have that figure loose, with the card or without, but actually, that card isn't super tough to find. It's tough to find, but not crazy tough. It's still three four hundred dollars. You know, so but the packaging definitely takes a factor. Even in a rare piece like the Bill Fralic, it still it goes down the like anything else.
0: Okay, so you're actually touching on. I actually know who this is. So uh, he was alignment. He, he was alignment for the Falcons. Why is but, this? Why is this one like the Holy Grail? Grail. The '89 Falcons
2: had three figures in it. Very really pretty figures. A red jersey. Um, great pants, really nice figures. They made Bill Fralick, John Settle, and Chris Miller. The 88 Falcons, because basically these were thought of and made a year ahead of time at the time. That's how they made these things.
0: Okay. The 88
2: Falcons were bad. So they knew the 89 Falcons may not be a great seller, and they were only released regionally in the Atlanta area, in the Georgia area. Um, to this day, there's a speculation that they inserted 88 Falcons in the 89 Falcons case, because, again, there's only three figures, but there's 24 figures in the case. These figures are way too hard to find to be, you know, eight per case or whatever it would have been Sure, of each guy. Um, so, and not to mention the pose that Bill Fralick is in is a very famous, very, I shouldn't say famous, but popular lineman pose, like offensive lineman pose. They meet Jim Culver, Dave Cadigan, Anthony Munoz, all in the same pose in 89, and collectors go crazy for this pose so all those factors gives you the bill frailand the holy
0: grail. Okay, that's I mean it, there's your there's your 86 87 Jordan, I guess so. I mean exactly. it's it yeah. that's crazy. So, let's talk about grading for a moment. You you said an 80. Um I don't I don't know I know no toy grading. I know toy grading less than I know, you know, the toys the figures themselves. So, explain sure. the process of of uh, grading a package because it seems like you would need different encapsulation uh you know designs because every toy every toy is not going to look the same so how does that work
2: basically when they when they grade a figure in pretty much most toys especially vintage toys um which i think are the only things worth grading i mean new toys well that's a different subject but vintage toys basically you have your card back you have your bubble or clamshell and then you have the actual toy inside. Okay. So when they grade a, they, when they grade a figure, they're going to give you a grade for each individual item, for the, the blister, blister, for the card back, and for the figure. And, and then they'll give it one overall grade. And it doesn't mean it's going to be an average of the three grades. Like, my, I have an 88 or an 89 Bill for a. Like it. has The card is an 80, which means the backing card. The bubble is an 80, and the figure is graded in a 90, which is great. But it's still got an overall grade of eighty. So it's it's a little different from the card grading game, but yeah, I, I see why they do it that
0: way as well. You just described my VA rating. <laughs> 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 That's funny. Uh, all you veterans out there will get that joke, and if you don't, well, uh, maybe maybe we'll someday. So, man, all right. You, again, you, this is uh, this is crazy to me. Uh, as I'm also scrolling through your timeline, I see this uh, almost museum-like display. in I guess this is your basement. I hope it's your basement uh, of, of of your collection here. What went into yep. that, man? Because this looks very impressive.
2: Thank you. Um, this has just been it's it's it, it just years and years of collecting, and finally able all to come together. I mean, it it took me years to. Establish something like that and it, it took another year to build it all like the way it looks now <laughs> but um yeah it's, it's really it, it's the pride enjoy my collecting I, I love to have people over and come look at it um some people joke with me and ask me if i'm going to charge admission but, you know. <laughs> but it's so it's so much fun and you know it's it, I, I don't want people to think it, it's for bragging rights i want to enjoy and share with everyone else as well you know, like I said to you earlier, I love when people come over and they see it and they ask questions. I love to ask questions because I love to to teach what I know.
0: It, it, it's it's beautiful, man, and Thank you. it's something that I like. I've seen video game collections that you know people have; they're all displayed. I've never seen a figure collection, a, a, a private figure collection like this. Um, if so, if if Joe invites you over to see this, you should definitely run. And, uh, and, and grab your dollars and go see it because it's, it's <laughs> awesome. But as I'm scrolling through here, man, when, uh, I'm seeing some, some old wrestling figures that, uh, I love the, 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 big rubber one rubber ones made by Kenner. Sure. Um, there, there are of course different rarities here as well. We were talking offline about the, the Kamala, uh, but there are some other, other high priced ones out there. So with those, with those, uh, with that set in mind, I know that there are a lot of wrestling fans that listen to this, and a lot of guys my age that remember those figures. Who are the big chase figures in that set?
2: Are we, You're talking about the LGN, the r- big rubber one? yes, the sir, seven inch, eight inch rubber. Okay. Um, the the hardest ones to find are as and it seems like this with any toy line as the toy lines get somewhat newer. I guess we can say we can say like so towards these came out in '84, I believe. So towards the end of the '80s. Um, it's when they start getting rare. And actually in 80, it was 88, it was series, the fifth series, a, cup, a company from Canada called Grand Toys bought LJM. Mm-hmm. And so then they started, and you'll see some on, on the, the later figures, so they'll say LJM package and Grand Toys. And then in 89, they came in a, a black package. Like they were always in blue. And it came in a black package. And these are the Holy Grails. There's Ultimate Warrior. Um, oh god the names are all escaping me right now there's an on the giant uh it, it, there's, there's a, a number of them and they're just really 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 tough to find i mean you're talking in the package there's a hulk hogan you're talking over a thousand
0: dollars wow that's that's yeah. crazy to me I mean, this is all now this is relatable to me because this is stuff that i played with as a kid uh sure and uh, I've never been able to say, "Oh, my mom threw that out with my baseball cards or whatever." But this is something. Oh, my mom threw that out, and now I'm kicking myself because you know. I I mean, (laughs) I I probably had all of this, and it's uh, it's ridiculous. So I, you got some figures there that I want to ask about because you have a tweet here that says um, they need to be cleaned up. So how how do you do that with these? How do you how do you touch this up? Uh,
2: I I'm a toy purist. I will never. Um, add a, a reproduction part, or paint something, or glue something. If it's broken, stay broke. If it's scuffed, it's going to stay scuffed. But I will clean things okay. um, just to make it look as as nice and and back to original as I possibly can. The LJNs are very hard to clean, um, and so many times they're scuffed, scraped because they're wrestlers. We played them. I was a kid too with these and we played and they you know instead of jumping off the top rope they topped off they jumped off the refrigerator you know <laughs> <laughs> you know so that's that's what we did and they got scuffed they were they were just painted and they're rubber just clean them is is i i use a degreaser believe it or not to clean them you have to be careful you don't want to take off any original paint um some people just use soap and water some people use those those um magic erasers i don't recommend those because basically that's just like sandpaper you know that's all sure. the magic eraser is and it's just going to sand your paint right off but again i you know i i i'm doing this a while so i kind of have a nice little system going where i could get them as as nice as possible you're not going to get them perfect and there's definitely paint loss and it's going to they'll stay that way until i could find a, a nicer newer one just to upgrade
0: wow this I'm I'm looking at the before and after pictures. All these guys I have fond memories of, and it, <laughs> it, it it warms my heart to see this. And I'm so happy that you have them and displayed them the way you did. All right, so uh, last question, then, then we'll wrap this up. We're gonna go back to your to your man cave, your toy museum. Uh, okay. Outside of your 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 starting lineup, guys, what's like the. The creme de la creme. What's the piece in your collection? Like, it's, it's never going to move. It's always going to be yours.
2: <laughs> mm, there, there, there is a couple, and just for a few reasons. Uh, one, my wife got them for me as a gift, so okay. I would never, ever get them a gift, especially for my wife. Um, the one figure is an 82 Flash from, from G.I. Joe, mint on card, um, totally original. But that was my very, very first GI Joe as a kid, and I love GI Joe. I'm sure you saw the pictures. I know mm-hmm. I have a pretty big GI Joe collection. Right. Um, so I could never, ever, ever move that figure. That, that's going to the grave. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, awesome. I also have a, a gift for my wife. It's uh, from Star Wars. It's a stormtrooper figure from a company called Uze in Turkey. It's it's totally bootleg. It's super real. Okay. Um, my wife got that for me as well. And again, going to the grave with me, love it. It's so fun, it's so cool. I'm sure if you scroll through my Twitter, you'll see pictures of it there somewhere. But those those two figures, and there's more, but those two figures really stick out in my mind.
0: That's awesome. Um, that I'm so I'm so happy that there's a, a guy out there that ha, that understands. What getting a gift means, and that you don't turn around and, and flip it and sell it. Uh, that's because right. in this hobby, there's not many of those out there. All right, no, so it's a tough hobby. Yeah, it, it really is. So, um, thank you so much for joining me. Before we get you out of here, um, please let my listeners know where they can follow you on social media, and then you can go ahead and give thekindercollector.com uh, dot a, a plug as well. Okay,
2: um, you can follow me on Twitter at Joseph A. Cuccio. You can follow me on Instagram at coaches insta, and then you can check me
0: out on KennerCollector.com. Awesome, guys, go check them out. I'm telling you, you will not be disappointed. Uh, I know that the the demographic that listens to this show will love what you have going on here. So go check them out. Follow, them, give them a follow on Twitter, and you can read them on the or about starting lineups. And uh, for for those of you who who love uh, love toys and Kenner and, and follow, you know. The toys that made us on Netflix, you won't be disappointed in this blog world. It's it's pretty it's pretty uh pretty fun. So uh, thanks for hanging out with me today. I really appreciate it. And guys, go check him out. Hang tight, and we'll be right back. This is Rob Bertrand with GoGTS Live, the Hobbies Web Show, and you're listening to Beckett Radio. All right, guys, we're right back at it with our next guest here on the Fat Packs. Uh, this uh, is is something very, very distinct. If you're not a Red Sox fan, this might not be for you. But I'm ex- I'm stoked because uh, I happen to kind of kind of like the Red Sox. My- this is my guy Brian from Sox Signatures. What's up, Brian? How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, man, thanks for, so much for joining us. Uh, please just introduce yourself. I've already said your name is Brian, but but uh, just tell the listening audience uh, how long you've been involved in the hobby, and uh, first as a collector and now as a business.
1: Yeah, so uh, my name is Brian Morelli. I am the owner of Sox Signatures. We're uh, based out of New Hampshire. Uh, we focus on just kind of Red Sox, uh, you know, uh, Red Sox-based business, dealing in autographs and game-used gear. And memorabilia, just you kind know, of, you know, all things socks. Um, the business started in 2013. <clears throat> and, uh, so this will be our sixth year. And uh, I personally been a collector since uh, the early nineties. So it's been about 25 years for me.
0: Wow. That's all right. So, you know, I'm, I'm 38 this month. I've been collecting since 1987. you jumping in, uh, jumping in, in the early nineties. What were some of those sets that kind of brought you into, into collecting cards first and, 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 what, what do you remember from those?
1: Uh, so that's, yeah, that's a pretty easy one for me. So uh, the uh, the 1990 Don Russ baseball set, you remember those? The, the real flimsy ones that have the red border on the front and the orange back?
0: Yeah, yeah, they of course. come with little
1: puzzle pieces. Yeah. So the Kaya Shrimpsky puzzle? Yeah. Yeah. Um, back when, uh, so my family used to do a bunch of day trips to go you know, shopping, and uh, we used to go to Ocean State Job Lot a ton, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but it's basically like a rundown big lots.
0: Okay, I got gotcha. you. Uh,
1: based out of the Northeast, and uh, they used to sell these, these huge hobby boxes of nine of the nineteen ninety Donruss. It was like five hundred cards in packs for like six bucks a box, just something ridiculous. And we'd buy a box pretty much every time we went. And my my dad and I would basically sit out in the car opening packs while the ladies would uh, shop inside.
0: Nice. And
1: uh, I mean, we we were obsessed with completing the set, which I, I think it was like seven hundred cards or something like that and uh we did end up completing it but uh i think uh i, I remember one time looking it up on like beckett or Top stuff something like that and i think the whole set was worth about 8 bucks so <laughs> it wasn't a great return on investment but the the memories were really what were key about it
0: you, you I, I like that you got a, a tough stuff mentioned in there man i haven't thought about that magazine in so long that's that's funny though uh when you when you talk to guys in the hobby about collecting the two magazines they always bring up of course are beckett and and tough stuff so uh Nice, nice little plug there. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and just assume that you're you're just a lifelong Red Sox fan, just because of where you're located. Uh, who were yes. who were some of the players that piqued your interest in the Sox?
1: Uh, so I was always a big Trot Nixon fan, uh, you know, the original Dirt Dog. Sure. Um, I, I just I just love the way he played, and um, you know, I, I was never the really, I, I never really was the big follower of the superstars. I always kind of like the secondary guy. Sure. You, you know, maybe didn't have the most talent, but still found ways to succeed. Um, so you know, guys like Trot, um later on, like Daniel Nava. Um, you know, just you know the guy, kind of the secondary guys and, and now I'm just I, I'm having fun and uh, enjoying all the careers of the guys that I get to work with or have worked with in the past, so uh, that's just been kind of fun to follow along that I get to meet these guys and then kind of see them on my TV
0: so i got I gotta back up there before we get to those guys. I want to ask you about Roger Clemens because a very distinct day that I remember in my life was when Roger Clemens. Got traded or signed with the Toronto Blue Jays, and I felt like Red Sox Nation, if that's a if that's a thing, was like stabbed in the back when that happened. Do you have any memories of of, of Clemens leaving the the Red Sox organization and going to Toronto?
1: Well, he was in the twilight of his career, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> they, they weren't going to miss out on much. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, at, at the time, it's kind of I, I kind of felt like it was it was more of a, you know as, as a fan, obviously, you hate to see the you know the good you know, the, the face of the franchise pretty much leave, but, you know, he he had kind of had to, for him, down years, obviously, they were still, like, I think, mid-three ERAs and probably close to 200 strikeouts, but, you know, it wasn't Pete Clemens, So it was like, okay, better to let him go a year early than a year late. Sure. And, yeah, everybody was clearly wrong. I mean, maybe they were not wrong for the, you know, right reasons, but uh, <laughs> for, for how long he stuck, for how he stuck, al- uh, stuck around so long after, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a tough time, but luckily, you know, uh, we got a, a much better pitcher come along in a couple of years that everybody really got behind and didn't have as much of a, a, a shaky back end of his career as Roger did.
0: Sure, and I'm assuming you're talking about talking about Pedro. Is, is, is that correct? Yes, absolutely. That's all right. So, um, all right, tell me, tell me this, man how did how did your interest into in in the Red Sox turn into you graphing and you know how did how did you even get into that? Like, how did you start that?
1: I mean, well, so it started with cards. You know, my dad and I were, were big into card collecting and completing mm-hmm. sets and then having all the Red Sox players just, just as a hobby, you know, just wanted the cards. Uh, and eventually uh, my dad read about a free signing that some car dealership, I think, was doing with like, I almost say it was like Brian Dabach and Troy O'Leary. No, 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 huge, but. So so then I had to go and go through my cards and get all the Brian Doblock and Troy O'Leary cards I could find and get those autographed. And then it became, okay, I want to get every Red Sox card I have autographed, which is, you know, as a 12-year-old is probably a stupid dream. But, hey, give it a shot.
0: Right. right. And,
1: uh, you know, that grew into, you know, you want to get better items, signing cards. So you go into balls, you go into photos, eventually you get into jerseys and bigger stuff. And um, where it really started taking off was – when I was in college, my dad and I would start going to spring training in Fort Myers. And I mean, we used to come home with like two or 300 autographs, uh, mostly cards, but still we'd come home with a ton of stuff at the end of the week. And that was where, you know, my collection just kind of exploded.
0: That's, that's absolutely crazy to me because I, I, at 12 years, 12 years old, I didn't have that kind of a drive for me to get, to get, of course I wasn't going to, I wasn't exactly, the Rangers weren't exactly on top of the world then either. I wasn't going out to the ballpark, but, uh, I didn't have that kind of drive to get these cards autographed. I was more interested in uh, in other things, but that's cool. So when did you have this, uh, when did you have this aha moment that you could turn this love of graphing and collecting into a business?
1: Uh, So it it really started with um, really, I was just trying to get rid of all the extras that I had, Um, you know, coming home from spring training with all the stuff I would get, you know, three of the same card signed because it's just all I had of that player and, you know, kind of realizing, like, I have I have no way to display all this. I have no place to keep it all. So I was just kind of selling my extras to then buy more stuff to get that signed for the next year and the next year and kind of try to create a self-sustaining hobby. Sure. And uh, so, you know, I kind of built a website because I had a, a computer science background in college. So I learned how to, you know, build websites and uh, built a site to start selling some of my extras and it was after a few months of that that I actually an agent for uh, a minor league player just reached out to me on his own and said he was trying to set something up for his client, and that led to doing a, a game use deal and uh, an autograph signing with uh, it was Shannon Wilkerson, Shannon Wilkerson, double uh, A outfielder, never made the majors, but it was just somebody was interested, so I said okay. Uh, it actually went pretty well as far as selling the game used stuff, which was surprising for me. And that player introduced me to another player, who introduced me to more, and just kind of took off from
0: there. So, w- when a player, when you earn a player's trust, and he introduces he introduces you to another player, I mean that that goes a long way of saying, "Hey, this guy's legit, and um, you, I, you, I want you to know about him. You should work with him." How does that make you feel as a, as a as a new businessman, as a new you know entrepreneur? knowing that you have the, the, the trust of a player first that an agent just reaches out to you, but you have the trust of a player and he's going to, he's going to go ahead and recommend you to somebody else. I mean, that, you got to be on top of the world with that, right?
1: No, absolutely. I mean, the, the easiest part was that I, I deal in cash. So okay. you know, I, I'm not one of those people that's, you know, give me all your stuff and I'll send you a check eventually. or I'll get back to you. I've, I've had, actually had a couple of players that have, have told me about that, that they've had guys promise them all kinds of stuff. And, I just, you know, you, we agree on a price beforehand. You come up with the stuff, I hand you an envelope, and you, you know, we call it a day. So it's, it's it's pretty easy to to quickly earn that trust when it, it's right there at the end of the day. But I mean, it was it was nice to know that that the players at least appreciated it a little bit, where they were willing to, you know, tell other players about it and not just you know see me as some weird guy who's out buying our you know
0: our old cleats. Of course, no one no one wants to be that guy, right? Um, it's and I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like you had an easy end, but I mean you you got you caught some nice breaks there at the beginning of this. Maybe what were some of the challenges that you faced uh, with when you just were starting this?
1: I mean, the hardest part is really just getting your name out there. Is not even. Uh on the player side, but just on the retail side, getting, getting your name out there for people to, to know your site exists and to go and find you and buy stuff. And I'm, I mean, I still struggle with that to this day. I've, I've been lucky enough to, you know, get a, get a couple um, podcasts. There's a podcast that I sponsor that absolutely exploded um, that, you know, really helped grow my name. And, um, you know, I, I've been able to get uh, pretty good returns on social media, but you know, the, the hardest part is, is realizing that there's, there's all these people that are huge Sox fans and, you know, you tell them the name, they are like, I've never heard of that, what do you do? And I have people that follow me on social media, and I do like a yearly survey, and I still have followers on social media that that answer survey questions saying, I didn't even realize you sold stuff.
0: Oh, wow. It's,
1: it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a really tough business, just you kind of get your name out there with trust, uh, both, you know, on the player side, that the players will trust you to, to you know, give you their stuff and, and uh, take time out of their day to come out and talk to you. And then Trust on the customer side, where they trust that your items are legitimate and that they're, they're willing to spend their money with you.
0: That's absolutely important. Um, another thing that would bring up the trust issue is legit, the legitimacy of your uh, of your autographs. Now, uh, I have you on because I I see what you've done and I uh, I've, I've read your blog. I, I can check out and see that what you have is the, the real deal. But it kind of it might be kind of off putting sometimes because. Your your prices are sometimes like fifty percent less than than other you know bigger dealers out there. How are you able to do that and pass savings along to your customers?
1: Yeah, I I do get that question a lot. That you know people see you know the big companies, Fanatics and Steiner, and they're selling an autograph for three hundred dollars, and I have it listed for you know eighty. And uh, it's it's really it's it's mostly about um, you know for, for a lot of the players that I work directly with they give me the access to not have to um you know buy a huge amount of stuff from them so i can kind of keep that cost a little lower um you know i'm not investing thousands of thousands of dollars to get hundreds of items signed and take up you know half their day i'm just getting you know 50 items real quick it's 20 minutes in and out you know so it, it kind of saves me some cash on that sure uh, as far as the bigger items i mean you know, I can't get up all the RT stuff that I sell find in person, obviously. And, you know, I can't wait in line to try to get him at the free places he shows up. So, you know, it is a lot of buying from other collectors, buying from eBay. Um, but, you know, I have to do my own research because obviously if, if anything I sell is found to be fake, I mean, that, that ruins my business. Yeah. So, you know, I, I have to be the one that, that kind of goes out and really takes the time to make sure that what I'm selling is legitimate. And when you're going to these secondary markets and it's collectors. You know, they, they don't have the, the the backing of a Steiner or Fanatics, or, you know, PSA or JSA, or whatever, to, to have those high prices. Sure. So I can, get, I can get deals from other collectors who I know are legitimate and who have, you know, similar proof that I have when I get autographs. Um, so that way I can, you know, take their prices, add a little bit more, and then, try, you know, sell them at my
0: price range. That's... It seems like it would be a lot of work on your end. I mean, how much time are you putting into to fact checking and and uh, you know the legitimacy of the autographs that you're buying? Uh, I mean, I know I, I understand you just said that you're buying from guys that you trust, but I mean, what makes what what gives you that trust in them? Uh, I mean, it's
1: it's you, you know years in the hobby. You're doing. You know, I try to deal with the same people. Okay. Um, so you know, as, as when, when I bet somebody, it's it's somebody that I know I can go back to. It's it's somebody I've met in person, down in Fort Myers or at the stadium, and you know, uh, Pawtucket or Portland or Fenway. Uh, you know, so it's somebody I know is out there. Um, and, you know, even just the fact that you know I deal with these with these, uh, you know, I only deal with one team, so I see the same signatures over and over again. It's pretty easy to start learning the signatures and learning the tells and, and figuring out what's fake and. And uh, and what's legitimate? Sure, because even when you go to the third parties PSA, JSA, it's still when it comes down to it, it's somebody looking at a signature and just making their best guess.
0: Sure. that makes sense.
1: That so where where I've had the one team to focus on, I don't have to worry about you know th- you know thousands of players to make sure that a signatures legitimate. I only have a couple hundred guys that are you know in a, in a year whose signatures I need to know. And even then, most people aren't faking you know a single a you know, pitchers signature that, you know, Correct. to an Ortiz or Petroya, somebody
0: big. Correct. <clears throat> it's easy to kind of pick up the face of those. Yeah, definitely. So with that being said, um who are some of the bigger names that you've that you've done deals with? I mean, are, are there guys out there that we would that that hit the show and that we would know or I'm I'm assuming since you're uh a, a, a Red Sox fan. This is a Red Sox specific. I mean, there, there, are, there are people in, in you know, Pawtucket in New Hampshire, that would know these players on the on the minor league level better than what we would do on a national level. But who are some guys that that you've worked with that you 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 offer autographs for that maybe you can't find out there otherwise?
1: Well, so I mean, the, the biggest thing is that you know I, I do have people that I, I have players that other places don't have because they're not the big names. So when you're looking to complete a team set or You'll get a ball of everybody from the 2018 World Series team. There's some of the guys that you know maybe we played an inning or two last year that I would have access to that you know Fanatics isn't going to take the time to care about. Correct. So that kind of helps there. But as far as the guys I've worked with that people might have heard of, I mean uh, Stephen Wright. You know he had a, a couple of pretty good seasons. He's uh, been injured recently, but he was uh, he was pretty a uh, pretty big deal for a while. Uh, Brian Johnson. Uh, he's another starting pitcher. Um, he's kind of a swing man last year. Um, I get some of the bullpen guys that were up and down, uh, Robbie Scott, Bobby pointer, Marcus Walden. And then, um, Blake Swihart was somebody I got to work with a couple times, uh, through another connection, another catcher introduced us. Um, he has other exclusives, but he had a couple items that he could just kind of pass along through another, through another player. Uh, so you know, it's not always the biggest names, but you know, as long as they make it to the majors, that that's really all I'm looking for now because I don't have the the cash, obviously, to get a you know Mookie Betts even when he's in the minors. Sure, my best, but this <laughs> <laughs> agent wanted far too much money.
0: I understand, I understand, man. I I also want to bring up something that I was checking out. I believe it was on your Facebook page. It was an unboxing of a, a you know you got some some game news stuff sent to you, and you, as you were pulling it out, I was really impressed, and I was kind of giddy actually with. Like, every piece is game used and every piece is autographed when you when you get boxes in in, in from a player and you're opening them for the first time do you still get that same giddy feeling as I'm, I'm assuming that you do because it's pretty cool stuff still seeing that right
1: oh absolutely I mean I'm I still act like a kid every time I come back so the the um, the boxing stuff usually doesn't happen that was just because the a player I had a deal with uh, got released and okay it was actually it was Chris resop who was he had been up and down in the majors a bunch of times, but we had talked and we had had a deal set up, and I was coming down to Pawtucket like the next weekend. He ended up getting released and signing with another team, so he just boxed everything up and, and shipped it to me. Uh, so that actually usually doesn't happen because I like to get everything in person. That way, I can take pictures of the player signing it and make sure everything's signed where I wanted it and then the right, you know, ink and stuff like that. Sure. But um, <clears throat> yeah, every time I meet these guys, it's just. It, it's I, I still get that little that giddy feeling of just oh, I got to be a
0: player that's so cool <laughs> I completely understand it in, in this line of work um, my wife still makes fun of me yeah' that she yeah I, I can I can understand I, last year I'm thinking back I was in Toronto and I got to I got to meet Andre Dawson and I was like I, I got to meet Andre Dawson I got to speak to him and my wife was like, okay and I was like no, you don't understand it was the Hawk man he was he was like one of the greatest ever he, he was he hit forty home runs and then and he, she was like Okay, I'm like, all right, never mind. This is completely lost on you, but I had a good time. Just know that. <laughs> all right, man, uh, let's move I don't on. Even, I don't even, Go ahead. The names I use aren't even guys that are in the Hall of Fame. So. The, yeah, see, <laughs> I completely understand. But the same thing with, uh, I got to uh, I got to interview the cat, the living cast of uh, Slapshot, and my wife had never wow. seen the movie. She didn't know anything about it. So she was completely unoppressed. I'm like, but this is a, this is a legendary movie. She, and then she finally watched it, and she's like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I was like, well, we can't be friends right now. <laughs> it didn't help your case. And it didn't help me at all. <laughs> so, man, Brian, do you think this is always going to be a side gig for you, or do you have hopes of, of turning this into like a full-time job where you're like a full-time autograph dealer?
1: I would, I wish it would. Um, I, I don't really have any plans, uh, in the immediate. I, I have a full-time job. Uh, I work, I do software development for an insurance company, so that's pretty much my nine to five. I'm on my lunch break right now okay. uh, doing, doing this interview. I so, appreciate
0: that. Uh, you know,
1: making, making sure I don't get in trouble with any, anybody on that side. But, um, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd like to, to grow it. I'd, I'd like to keep going with this. Um, Honestly, my, my realistic goal is that I'm hoping somebody bigger than me notices me and kind of, you know, buys me out and brings me onto their team. Okay, uh, I, I think that's more of a, a realistic goal, but I mean, I, I would love to, to do this full-time. That'd be amazing.
0: That would be really cool uh, for, just for you as a, as a person. I don't know you, obviously, but just as a person, <laughs> to getting to be a full-time autograph guy, that would be... That's a pretty cool yeah, gig. If you do, do something it. I
1: love. Exactly. I mean, you know, you know the, the job I have is a, is a great job, and, and I... I like what I do but you know this is this is my this is my passion this this is what I really enjoy doing with my free time
0: Understand completely. Uh, right. yeah. So uh with that being said spring training is right around the corner are you are you heading down to add to your inventory is that is that what's going to happen here are you taking this year off from spring training Oh no I'll
1: be there March 8th to the 14th I believe I'll be down in Fort Myers so if anybody's down there I'll I'll be in a hat with my logo on it uh, so feel free to Stop by and say hi, ask me any questions. I'll be happy to point out all the players' faces as they walk by because you don't want to wait till they walk by with the name on the back and then chase them down. That always looks bad. So <laughs> happy to help people out when they're down there. It, it's always a good time. So it's, the best part about training is that, you know, it's 200-something players all in the backfield, you know, because I go for the minor league side. I don't even go for the major leagues. Sure. Um, yeah, you go in the backfields for the minor leagues. It's free, you know, so, and there's just players everywhere. And and once you can learn faces, or you know this player always comes out with a red wristband or something silly like that, and it just it just becomes so much easier to kind of approach these guys and ask them for autographs, and then hopefully turn that into. By the way, if you're ever interested in selling new stuff, or you know, see some of the guys I've worked with over the you know past year, see if they have anything new or anybody they want to introduce me to. And yeah, it's just, it's just a really good time. I go by myself and I have a blast.
0: You you just mentioned something that I think is really important that uh, you, you got to be really good at it, is, is is facial rec- recognition. Are you just like perusing minor league websites or uh, to, to see what these guys look like before you go out there? Or I mean, that's a memory thing that I can't quite comprehend because I, I I'm horrible at facial rec- recognition. So help me out there. Yeah. So if,
1: if you're bad with faces, I mean, so. It's just memory in general. So, like I said, there's there's little things like, I mean, you're going down there, every single one, almost every one of these guys is between, like, six foot and six two. They're all darker skinned because they've been in the Florida sun for the last month tanning. I mean, it, it's tough to tell half these guys apart just because they all, you know, athletic build. It, it, it's, so it's almost impossible. You, you pick up little things, you know. This guy wears a black sleeve. This guy carries a duffel bag. This guy always has a, you know, bright, Yellow bat or something, or something silly that just kind of helps you narrow the you know narrow it down to to specific players, um, and eventually you get to learn the faces. But it's, I mean they come out with sunglasses on, hats down. They try to avoid just sure. So you kind of have to pick out other things.
0: You could have been a you could have been a detective, man. You're working you're working at an insurance company <laughs> doing <laughs> that's, that's software.
1: Yeah, There's <laughs> a couple times when when somebody's walking towards you, you'll be like, oh, here comes you know whatever. <laughs> well, Brian Johnson I I you know, I I recognize him and then so, oh, how do you know him? And if I ever told him why I know it's him, it's like oh, because he has two. He wears the high socks, so those are a little higher. And I noticed he has the yellow wristband, and he's got his glove on his right hand, even though he's a lefty. And he wears this. Like, <laughs> I don't want to go into how I know. Just trust me, it's him. And if you want his autograph, go ahead.
0: That's funny. Man. That's really funny. All right, man, let's get you out of here. I, I want to keep. I don't want to keep you on your lunch break. I know how important as a fat guy, I know how important lunch is. I don't. I don't want to keep you on your lunch break. So, um, before we get you out of here, though. Uh, let my listeners know where they can find you on your social media, and go ahead and plug your website so uh, they can they can uh, maybe pick up some Red Sox autographs.
1: Sure. So the uh, the website is uh dot s o x Signatures obviously. Uh, uh, all of our social media Twitter, Facebook, Instagram is at SoxSignatures. Uh, we have a Facebook page, uh, Sox Signatures and it's lucky enough to get get in early and uh, get get the brands for everything. So everything's pretty much the same. Uh, uh, if uh, anybody wants, uh, I'll give you an extra ten percent off your first order. You can use uh, socksigs10, so S O X S I 0 and uh, that'll give you ten percent off your first order for all your listeners.
0: There you go. Th- got, you gotta go do that now. Socks socks10, right? <laughs> is that is it what you said? Oh, soxsigs socksigs10, yep. Socksigs10, and get you ten percent off your first order. Yep. I was perusing his uh, perusing his store. He's got a lot of autographs out there, so and I know that if I, I hate the term Red Sox nations. I don't I don't believe in nations when it comes to sports teams, but whatever <laughs> they're, they're one of the they're one of the originals that, that that started the trend. So I know that there's a lot of Red Sox Nation guys out there. Go check him out uh, again. From a guy who has a business that I try to promote with this with this podcast, there are people out there that don't know that that I that I produce a podcast so i completely understand what it what you say when you when people tell you oh i didn't i don't even know i didn't even know you sold stuff that's a horrible feeling to hear sometimes so please go support him uh he's great for the hobby especially for you red Sox fans go check him out uh all right man we're gonna get you out of here thank you so much for hopping on and guys hang tight we'll be right back
1: this is pat nuschek winner of the
0: 2017 world baseball classic
1: and you're listening to Beckett Radio with Fat Packs.
0: All right, all right, all right. Thanks for hanging out after those uh, two interview, back-to-back interviews with Joseph and Brian respectfully. Uh, again, Brian has that uh, discount code for you, SoxSignatures10. If you use that at checkout, you will get 10% off of your order. A lot of great Red Sox autographs he has up there and stuff that you're not going to find um, everywhere else from the bigger dealers because some of these guys are, you know, they're, they're double a guys, uh, single a guys, triple a guys, but uh, you're going to be able to find them right there on sock signatures because he's out there grinding, uh, graphing for you, uh, in the local community, they're in New Hampshire, then Paul Tuckett, and then he's going to go down to spring training. Don't, don't forget that. So, um, check them out. Socks signatures 10 at checkout, and it'll get you 10% off of your first order there. And also want to thank, uh, Joseph, man, Joe, thank you so much for coming on. What a great conversation. I was literally dumbfounded during it because I just I didn't know like what was all behind the starting lineups and, and, and toy collecting, and you, you helped break it down. And you are, again, our collector, our super collector of the month. Thanks so much for joining us. Man Cave, you guys, he, go check him out on Twitter, at Kurch, c c u r c h at Kurch, and you will uh, see this Man Cave that is... Whew, it's something else. I, Again, you guys know how I feel about the word man cave. When I hear that, or the term man cave, all I, when I hear that, all I hear is uh, my wife makes all the decisions. I think it's a horrible term. But it is what it is, and this is like a man cave museum, and it's really impressive to see. Thanks so much for coming on and breaking down starting lineups and wrestling figures and, and G.I. Joes and, and everything else that we talked about. That was a really interesting conversation, and you can come back anytime you want to talk about that stuff because I am eager to learn. All right, um, little Beckett-whatevs here going. I'm going to talk about a couple of things that uh, caught my eye. But before we do, I want to mention Badger Breaks again. Thanks so much uh, to Kyle for jumping on the show. Uh, Let me tell you what he's breaking this week that you can still get into because uh, he does have one one or two things that are sold out. He's got a 2018 Bowman Draft Jumbo uh, 8-box case. Random teams, it's sold out. You can't get into that. Sorry about that. But what he does have is 2018 Panini Impeccable Football. It's a 3-box case. You can pick your team for from $19. Uh, you can get in on your 2018-19 Revolution Basketball. It's a 8-box hobby case. Random teams at $22.99. He's got a, a full 12-box case of Panini Contenders football. Random teams at $91.99. That contenders is on fire. And he's also got a 2018 Panini Contenders football hobby 12-box case. Uh, this is pick your team, and you can start at that at $24. And finally, he's got 2018-19 Panini Dominion Basketball. He's got a three-box half case, $29.99 for random teams. Go check him out at BadgerBreaks.com. Tell him the Fat Pack sent you. You will hear more from him on this show in the coming months uh, as he is jumped on as a sponsor here. We really appreciate that. All right. Let's talk about some 30 for 30. Our uh, You guys... I'm sure are aware of our baseball countdown that we did with tops. We've also p- partnered with Panini and we're doing basketball 30 teams, 30 weeks. We're already in the middle of the countdown and I missed some again, cause I was out and then some of them were kind of, eh, and you know, these are the lesser teams, but I want to go ahead and just mention all of them that we've done so far. So team number 30 was the Memphis Grizzlies. No surprise there. I don't think team number 29, the, uh, well, how do they call this? I want to make sure I get it right. Team number 39 was the Charlotte Hornets, also a.k.a. the Bobcats. So, um, no, no big names there that we should really talk about, I don't think. Then the New Orleans Pelicans, number 28. Number 27, the Minnesota, Minnesota Timberwolves. Number 26, the Toronto Raptors, which they are uh, kind of killing it right now. Number 25, the Orlando Magic. Penny... Shaq, you would assume Shaq, but, you know, maybe not. But you do see some Horace Grant there. Them number 24, the Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis, right, Sidney Moncrief. Number 23, the Los Angeles Clippers. And that brings us to number 22, the New Jersey Brooklyn Nets. Yes, the New Jersey Brooklyn Nets, that's what I said. Uh, this is an interesting team makeup here. Uh number number twenty two on the list, and I'm gonna read the names to you. Jason Kidd, a point guard, Vince Carter, Julius Irving, Buck Williams, Derek Coleman, Brooke Lopez, and my man that we all pages. Stoyakovich. I'm just kidding. It's not gonna be the <laughs> g P Page Stoyakovich. It's Drezn Petrovic, uh Petrovic, uh, a name that some of you kids might not be familiar with, but go look him up. He was like the first big Euro player to come over and make it big. He tragically died in a car accident. So um, I said a couple of names there that like, kind of caught me off guard that I, was, I wasn't I was really prepared to say, uh, but that was Jason Kidd and Vince Carter. And when I think Jason Kidd and Vince Carter, the New Jersey Nets are not the teams that I think of first. But let me go ahead and break, you, break down why Jason Kidd and Vince Carter are on this list. This is it's it's kind of mind-boggling to me, but I, I guess like with Jason Kidd, I think of you know Dallas Mavericks, New York Knicks. Uh, and I don't I don't think of the Jersey, <laughs> the New Jersey Nets or the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, but Kidd is one of the greatest point guards ever, and it was with the Nets that he was at his peak. Well, imagine that he was a five-time in five-time All Star as a Net, a two-time All NBA first teamer, and a one-time All NBA second teamer. But most importantly, Kidd. Kidd's distribution, scoring, and defensive abilities helped the Nets to two straight Eastern Conference titles and four division titles. Kidd is the Nets' career leader in three-pointers, assists, and steals. He was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 2018. I like I didn't put that together. I know that later in his career, Kidd – well, early in his career, Kidd was here in Dallas, and he was part of the 3Js, uh, Jason Kidd jim jackson and jamal mashbourne which was broken up by tony braxton of all people there was a love uh, a love squab there but um i think of him as a maverick and then with the knicks he, he became a three-point shooter i don't the, like the nets years I, I i hardly remember but apparently according to the stats here that's where it was at and then vince carter like when i think vince carter he's a toronto raptor right he's that's what i think through and through and there's that great documentary out on Netflix that you can. It's called The Carter Effect, and you can and check out the history of his his time in Toronto. But apparently, in, in New Jersey, he had kind of the same thing. Carter joined the Nets in 2004 and quickly paired with Jason Kidd for a formidable duo. Carter was an All Star three times in New Jersey. He averaged more than 23 points per game as a Net, helping the team to two division titles. Carter is third in Nets history in scoring, despite being eighth in mult in minutes played. Let me say that again. He is third in Nets history scoring, despite only being eighth in minutes played. After Kidd was traded, Carter became the undisputed team leader, providing many memorable moments, including hitting a game-tying three in regulation and a game-winning reserve reverse alley-oop jam in overtime to beat Toronto in 2008. Those are two names that I, just, I don't think about when I think New Jersey Nets, but there we go. And then Dr. J, I got to at least break this one down for you. One of the game's biggest and most beloved legends, Dr. J was the best player in the history of the the American Basketball Association. He is most remembered for his high-flying acrobatic and game-changing dunks. Irving polarized the slam dunk as not only an effective offensive weapon, but also an art form. He won three ABA MVP awards and took the Nets to two ABA titles. Dr. J is is one of the most popular players to ever played. Even more popular by the ABA dunk contest standard, which he dunked from the free throw line. That is, he was the originator of that dunk, right? The Dr. J free throw line. And then, again, I want to mention Drazen Petrovic just because uh, some of you guys might not know who he is. And I think that he definitely deserves mention here. You can guys, you can go to 30teams30weeksnba.com uh, 30, 30 30 to check out the rest of the list. But Drazen was a special player. Petrovic's life was tragically cut short at the age of 28, but what he accomplished in the sport of basketball in that amount of time was remarkable. One of the greatest European players of all time and a big reason for the influx of European talent in the modern NBA. Petrovic was only... Only played two seasons for the Nets. His impact was significant in those seasons, taking the team to -to back-to-back playoff while taking them back to the playoffs while averaging 20 points a game. He was posthumously inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 2002, and his jersey number three is retired by the Nets. Man, Drazen was a great player to watch. He was fun. So uh, go check him out. you know, you can look at, look up his stats, NBA Reference or something like that, and check him out. He was a he was a he was a great little basketball player. And yeah, again, he he died tragically in a car accident at the age of 28. So um, it's a it's a sad story, but he was a he was a good player and worthy of the list. And then the other uh, conversation I wanted to bring up is a as a piece that's over on Pre Wards Cards. Uh, it's uh, Pre This is a this is a pretty impressive find. It's the rare 1933 Studley State F- Studley set, fully documented for the first time. Let me just break this down. Uh, this was posted on January 14th, so I want to go ahead and just read this, so I don't I don't do it any injustice. For years, the 1930 Studley <coughs> hockey card set uh, sat in obscurity and went unnoticed. Heck, even even when they were discovered, a full checklist was not known to the hobby. But thanks to a recent discovery from an Ontario collector, we now have a much clearer picture of the set and quite possibly a full checklist. Unless you are a supremely dedicated to hockey card collector, chances are that you haven't even heard of the obscure, the obscure set. Stoodley's was a restaurant in Toronto and a picture of the establishment is documented on the old postcard. Their selling point really was an old English atmosphere, which is how the venue is described on the reverse of the postcard. This is a, This is an old English atmosphere. Again, go check them out at prewards.com. You can find this article right there. Steeley's, like a lot of businesses, use sports as part of various promotions. And no sport is bigger in Canada, obviously, than hockey. In the 1930s, the company printed an obscure set of cards featuring hockey players on the side and hockey players on one side and the 1933 home schedule of the local Toronto Maple Leafs on the back. Now, instead of printing the home schedule for the entire 1932-33 season, which began in November of 32, these cards promoted only the home slate from January 31 January 31st, 1933 through March. Thus, we can safely say that these cards would have probably been offered for only those months and possibly shortly before that. That has affected what Excuse me. That has affected what we know about the dating and therefore differing opinions. For example, PSA lists a 1932 issue with, while others call them a 33. Their, 1933 has always seemed more likely to, to me as the earliest January home games were not mentioned. Thus, it is difficult to believe that they would have been printed in 1932, and my guess is that they were printed at some point in the month of January after the early games had passed. However, there are still questions about the exact dating. The cards really have the appearance of more of a bookmark. They are printed on cardboard but are long and narrow, measuring about 5 inches. With a schedule on the back and the stooley's name on the front, the exact name for the cards is the Stooley Sports Series. It's clear they are meant to be more of a promotional item item and temporary item as opposed to the traditional trading card set. Over the weekend, the writer of this piece uh, received an email from a collector in Canada named Mike. Specifically, he is from Toronto, where these cards originated from. Mike had had what I would consider to be some pretty exciting news in that he has managed to get his hands on what could be a complete set of them. So for the first time, these things are coming to light as a complete set. That is noteworthy because they are extremely rare. The only ones I had previously heard about, in fact, were the ones that resided in the Hockey Hall of Fame and a single graded card by PSA that appears to be in a private collection. None have been graded by SGC or Beckett, and these are next to impossible to find. The best-known checklist for the card is, in fact, included only four known. Mike's Discovery included the four previously-known cards, number two, Lauren Shabbat, and number two, Howie Morans, and number four, Harold C- Cotton, and number eight, Red Horner. It also included four other players previously not known previously, and there are some big names, King Clancy, in the set and Ace Bailey also. Number six Lester Patrick and number seven Tom Daly and is number five. That gives us <clears throat> that gives us eight total known cards and possibly rounds out the entire set. Clancy Bailey Patrick Clancy Bailey and Patrick are all Hall of Famers and dramatically add to the prestige of the set. The more puzzling inclusion is, is that of Daly. Daly was a member of the Maple Leafs, but was the team's trainer. That's interesting. His card is interesting in that he is pre- pictured in a baseball uniform, but that makes sense once you read the biography of the card that mentions he was also a trainer for the Toronto International League Baseball team. Mike's family had a collection of cigarette cards that had been buried away. The cards had actually been in storage with no one giving them much of a second thought. We never looked at them, just knew that they were there in the family, Mike mentioned. Recently, a relative from my family passed away, and that actually led to the discovery. And His uncle... Recently an, an uncle of my wife's past and while looking for family pictures we happened to own the box. Mike said So just last night while watching the Leafs game I had a look through the box and couldn't believe what I found. Upon finding the Studley's cards he immediately did some research and it didn't take long to discover the cards were pretty rare. How they even ended up in the family's collection remains a mystery. But theories exist. My wife's grandfather did own a business not far from Studley's where Stoodley's was located and probably it was favorite spot for lunches and dinners knowing that the long hours they put into the business what could the cards be worth as as with anything this rare that's tough to say I'm not even aware of a lone public sell of them so finding a benchmark is incredibly tough but because the set has some of the game's earliest stars including Moran's and Clancy it is reasonable to suggest that they could be quite expensive if sold even beyond the rarity the cards appear to be in surprisingly good condition so what's next Mike plans to have the cards authenticated and likely graded before determining what to do with them but one thing is for certain this is a noteworthy discovery and a rare set that is a great article over there on pre-wars cards this is a set that is a uh, to be honest with you I've I've seen in the in the database but I haven't even looked at it more than a passing glance, but seeing all these four, seeing these eight cards is really, is really cool to see. And, uh, it's worth go checking out, uh, prewards.com, check them out and, uh, give the article a read and we've got some other great stories there for you vintage collectors, everything before 1940. All right. That's going to do it for this show this week. I really appreciate you guys hanging out with me. Um, we have some interesting things coming up in the, f- here in the near future, um, don't want to spoil them this yet but I I do believe that you guys are going to be pleased with the content of the show as we move forward in 2019 getting ready for some uh, big things here on the fat pack so thanks for hanging out and making it uh, your show we do want to again mention the giveaway it'll be posted uh, when this when this uh, goes up and I will tell you details just on the on the Twitter post so how you can enter there as well all right guys thanks for hanging out this week I really appreciate it and until next week just keep listening Cue the Drake.